Welcome to Intrepid Media, the show for the business professional. Here, we're going to talk about business topics such as leadership, sales, marketing, HR, innovation, strategy, and technology. But we're also going to riff about lifestyle too and help you look better, feel better, and live better. This show is everything the modern business professional needs, from the C-level executive to the millennial. So let's get on with the show. Good morning and welcome back to Intrepid Radio. I am your host, Tosh Schneck. Ah, today's going to be a fun conversation. Now, I have a lot of conversations over the years on this show about improving performance and how to be more successful, both at life and at work. But I think today's conversation on that subject is going to be a little bit of a different spin than what we normally have on this show. And I think it's going to give us a new way to think on this, a new way to prepare for this, a new way to kind of view a new perspective on this idea. I think it's going to be a fascinating conversation. Let's say hello to my guest. Her name is Kathy Salit. She is the CEO of Performance of a Lifetime and the author of a new book, which we're principally here to talk about called Performance Breakthrough, A Radical Approach to success at work. Kathy, welcome to the show. Thank you, Todd. Great to be here. Now, it's great to have you. I appreciate you carving out some time to join us. I know you're awfully busy with all your work and promoting this great new book, so I do appreciate you stopping by. So, Kathy, let's before we really dive into the book itself, you have a bit of a unique background, a unique approach in how you got into this kind of work. And so what I'd love you to do is lead us off by talking a bit about you, your background, and the work that you do out of Performance of a Lifetime, which obviously is a big part of the narrative of the book itself. Great. Yeah. So I am from New York City, born and raised, and I, I am a junior high school or now referred to as a middle high school dropout. I dropped out at the age of 12 because I didn't like school. I found uh, that uh, the curriculum didn't feel relevant to me. I didn't like the teaching style of my of my teachers, it was, you know, the way middle school is, it was cliquish, it was, you know, all the kinds of things that, that can be challenging for a young teenager. But I uh, was, was unhappy enough that I actually went to my mom and at her suggestion, after hearing all of my complaints over now many, many months, she suggested that I quit school and that I start my own school and create a school that I wanted to go to. I was pretty surprised, being 12 years old, to have your mom (laughs) make such an amazing suggestion. But I said, yeah, yes, Mommy, I would like to do that. And we found another 25 to 30 young people, students who felt the same way with supportive parents, and we decided to create our own school. We took over an abandoned storefront in New York City, It was a dry cleaning store. We saved about $100 on the sign for the school by naming it the Elizabeth Cleaners Street School. That was the name of the dry cleaning store. And we basically opened up a one-room schoolhouse where we designed the curriculum. We decided what we wanted to learn. We hired and interviewed both paid and poorly paid uh, and volunteer teachers, people who were educated, education innovators. We did everything from, you know, plan the the curriculum schedule and work on who was going to clean the toilets. We did it all. And it was really such an amazing experience because what, what I now in hindsight realize is that 
I was experimenting with and perhaps being a part of the creation of new and different and alternative modes of education. People have many different ways that, that we learn and grow. And this was just an, an amazing experience to be able to really challenge the status quo and to say, I don't like the way things are, but rather than just sit around and complain about it, let's see if we can create something new. And that has really been such a big part of what my life path ended up being, which includes the creation of performance of a lifetime. I never went back to traditional school after that. I I sort of created, continued to create my own learning. Uh, along the way, I... I became a professional performer, a singer, an actor, an improviser, and I also continued to study independently these radical and alternative modes of education and uh, personal growth approaches. And that led me to learning about a field in psychology called performative psychology, which basically the, the idea is that people learn and grow and develop by performing who they are not yet. We don't learn and develop who we are, our personalities, our, our ability to communicate, our ability to understand, and our ability to learn simply through cognitive methods. We actually perform, we experiment, we rehearse, we play, and that is how human beings grow and develop. And Performance of a Lifetime, which I founded, co-founded 20 years ago, is based on that understanding. We work with leaders and with teams and with companies who are developing a new strategy, whether that's for the entire, a new strategy for the entire company or for an area of the company, be it technology, be it product development, be it you know, developing a pipeline of, of new leaders. We work on the human side of whatever that business strategy, that business challenge is, by supporting the people who are responsible for, for building out that strategy and executing, by supporting them to perform who they are not yet, both they, who they are not yet individually and who their company is not yet. Mm. Fascinating dialogue around your education, and and you know, look, I look back on my education, and and look, I went to some good schools, and I don't have any regrets, and I I had good experiences, and I did learn something, but it was a status quo education, and I, uh -huh. I didn't know that then, but I certainly know it now, and if I was teleported back to fifteen years old with the knowledge I have now, I would absolutely have gone a different path. And I think most people listening maybe feel the same way, you know, and, and this isn't some conversation of why you should never go to get an MBA. What I'm, what the, the point I want to make and I want you to comment on is this idea of you started your own school, you created your own education. And I, I think most people listening don't realize they can do that. And I would love right, for you to comment. Right. On, I mean, and that's obviously a, a foundational piece and element of the work that you do. But, but I don't care if you're 70 years old listening to this. You can still, an education should never end, ever, ever. But I talk about how someone can, in fact, no matter when and where they are in their station in life, they can still reconfigure and redo and remold their education and their learning. Yeah, yeah. No, I love what you're saying. I, and I think it's, in some ways, this is what Performance Breakthrough is about. It is for, 
you know, the person who is just starting out in business and it's for the person who has, um, you know, has been at their job or jobs, you know, and they're in their 70s or people who are retired, okay, because we can continue to grow and learn and develop at any stage, at any age in life. And we can get stuck into thinking that the way things are is the way things are supposed to be and that the way we are is the way we're supposed to be. What you can do to to reinvent yourself, to get yourself moving in a, in a new direction, to create whatever the personal or professional performance breakthrough is that you want to create, you start doing things that don't feel natural to you, okay? And that's, that is the key. It's often the case that we think, well, you know, this is the kind of person I am. This is who I've come to be. This is my personality. You know, we, in, in a lot of uh, businesses, people go through some form of psychological testing and we get told, you know, that we're this jumble of letters or that jumble of letters. We're an introvert. We're an extrovert. But if you think about it, we actually play and perform different versions of ourselves depending on what situation we're in, or to use the, word, the terms from theater, what scene we're in. We act one way when we're holding a little puppy, right? We act another way when we're pulled over on the highway by the state trooper. We act another way when we're making a presentation to our boss. And all of those versions of ourselves are authentic, are real. They really are, right? But we think that we can only be that way in those situations. But we can actually expand our repertoire. We can take some of those characters that we play in certain situations and play them in another situation where we wouldn't normally do so. And we can expand our characters in the way that, literally like in the way that actors do. And what that means is... You perform who you are not yet. You know, an example that I'm thinking of is when, when, when you first rode a bike without training wheels. The particular of our stories are different, of course, but, you know, you got on that two-wheeler, you put your feet on the pedals, and you start to spin and rotate your legs, and, and then maybe you fall, maybe you lose your balance, and then you do it again for a few feet, and then you fall, and so on. You do that, like, many, many times. And in order to learn how to ride that bike, we all had to pretend to be a bike rider before we actually were one. It wasn't a matter of reading a book or even a, a matter of will. It's you actually had to pretend that you could ride that bicycle and that's how you became one. Oh, gosh, well, yeah, you, you can't learn to ride a bike by watching a YouTube video or reading a book, as you said. And and I love that that analogy because that that's... Because I, I worry that someone listening says, "Well, wait a minute. If I'm if I'm acting as if, or if I'm if I'm trying to pretend something, well, then I'm not. I am not authentic. And there are a thousand books that say you have to be authentic. And I and right. I think the key point there is when you said, "Look, when you act one way with a puppy, and you act a different way in a meeting with colleagues, you act another way with your family. Those those are all your authentic selves." And and I think people think that there's only one way they can be in a business environment in their career, and, and they are so trapped. They have to fill into this societal and cultural expectation that they're, they're stifled, and that's why they're frustrated, and that's why they're, gosh, that's one of the reasons why they're certainly not creative or innovative, right? Absolutely, yeah. I think, this, I think what you're saying about how we 
can feel trapped and stifled is so important because, you know, sometimes when you're trapped and you feel stifled, you don't even know that you're trapped. You don't even realize that that you couldn't do something else, that there are other alternatives out there. And that's why it, it, is, it almost seems counterintuitive because of your excellent point about authenticity. It's like, well, you know, if I do something that's really different, then it won't really be me. But another way to think about it is this is just the me up to this point. You know, this is just the me of who I've been and who I, you know, who I am right now. But if your orientation is that human beings can keep growing and developing all through life, then we need some support uh, to sort of kickstart that kind of development again. And, it, and, it, and it, it means we actually have to be unnatural, do, do things that are out of our comfort zone, and do things that don't feel like us. And we have a, the, the name for the approach that we use at Performance of a Lifetime with our clients is it's the becoming principle. And it's very much just what we're talking about. It's that in order to grow, in order to learn, in order to change, we need to be both a combination of who we are and who we are not yet. Hmm. I have about 50 directions I want to take this conversation. When I go to the break, I'm when I go to the break, I'm going to figure out where to go, but until then, Kathy Salit and I will return after this short break. We'll be right back. Think Next, Act Now is an entrepreneurial movement. It is a teaching platform, a coaching forum that emphasizes action. And the link between thought and action makes a difference in the outcome you determine or the result that's determined for you. When you see, seize, and create opportunity for yourself, you take a big step toward becoming recession-proof and changing your life. If you are determined to make a change in your life, Think Next, Act Now will provide the essential toolkit to move your life forward. Only realized potential cashes the check of reality. Now is the time to realize your potential. Think Next, Act Now, and go always forward. To learn more, Go to BillWoodich.com. That's BillWoodich.com. All right. I am back with Kathy Salit, the author of a new book called Performance Breakthrough, A Radical Approach to Success at Work. So like I said before the break, Kathy, there's a lot of directions I want to go here. I wish we had a couple more hours to just continue to dive into some of this fascinating stuff. I, I guess one of the things I do want to talk about in a minute is fundamental to the book is the five fundamentals of performance. So I want to go there next. But before we do that, I think there's some value in a quick discussion on, I mean, because a lot of what you do based on your background is is leveraging a theatrical performance into how you exist and perform in business and life. And I'd love for you to talk uh-huh. about how to leverage that theatrical side of ourselves. We all have it, whether some of us don't necessarily act on a stage, but we all perform. And I don't think we realize that. But I think part of the power of that is is another thing you said at the top half of the show was, you know, the human side of all of this. And, uh-huh. and I think that uh-huh. is so sadly lacking in most corporate environments that I observe. 
Another reason why I think people feel stuck and trapped is that they just they really can't be human. They have to be this cog in a machine, and, and that's just a miserable existence. So talk about how uh, leveraging your theatrical side of yourself can bring out the humanness of who you are and how it can change everything for you in business and life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love your question. Well, maybe, maybe a way to think about it is to think about part of what it means to be human is to tap into our creativity. Because unlike, you know, giraffes and ants and even dogs and cats, despite what some people say on YouTube, human beings are creative in ways that other animals are not. We can both sort of do what we do in everyday life and we can switch it up and we can talk in funny ways and we can walk differently and we can sing the song at the drop of a hat. We can just do all kinds of things that are outside of the ordinary, okay? And as you were saying before, that a lot of us get really stuck in a rut at work and just work can be boring or work can be tedious and things about our lives can be just very, very rote. And the thing is, is that we have this natural ability to be creative. We did it when we were kids, right? Right. Uh, in fact, you know, when, you know, <laughs> little Sophie imagines herself as a doctor or a nurse or a rap artist, you know, so can performance in theater help Big Roger and Big Amanda to speak up in a meeting. That's hard to get a word in edgewise. Or to, it can help them to take on a bigger role that you don't yet know how to do. We are natural-born performers. It's in our DNA. And we can... So what, what do actors do? Well, they, one of the things that they do, if you think about, oh, let's say Daniel Day-Lewis, and when he played Lincoln in the movie uh, several years ago, he studied Abe Lincoln. <laughs> he immersed himself in that history and the way the man walked and talked and thought and felt and his relationships and so on. And he took on this character some say he actually sort of became Abraham Lincoln. Now, we're not, those of us who are not professional actors, that's not what we need to do or maybe even have the talent to do. But we, the reason that Daniel Day-Lewis can do that is because he's a human being, and so are we. And so what would it be like if we could, you know, look around both in our office or in our friendships or on television or just wherever we see and interact with people and say, gee, what are they doing? What, what are they like? Could I do sort of like what little kids do and what Daniel Day-Lewis did? Can I creatively imitate this person who has such presence, who really knows how to hold a room, and I feel inadequate in that. I feel like that's something that I'm not good at. What is he doing? What is this person doing? How does he stand? How does he sit? I notice that he seems to really look people in the eye and, and look as if he's actually really listening to what they're saying, and he thinks about what he says before he speaks. You can do what actors do, which is to creatively imitate that and take that on and what happens when you do that, Todd, is that you 
you actually add that to available choices that you now can make in how you want to interact and show up with other people. And as we were saying before, at the beginning, it is going to feel fake. It's going to feel like not me. And that's because it isn't yet. But yet. it will become it will become you if you want it to become you. Well, see, I think the most important thing you said, which is what I, I want to repeat because I want everyone to think on it and reflect on that after this conversation, is when you talked about Daniel Day-Lewis, and you said he's able to do the things he does. He's able to become all these characters that he plays. And you mentioned Lincoln is just one example of the fascinating people he, that he's, he's portrayed. But, but he was able to do it because he was human. Well, I'm here right. to say we're all human and we all can do that. <laughs> and if you just if you think for a second, you act and you perform every day uh, when you're trying to influence your spouse to take a certain course of action. You're acting, you're performing, you're, you're adopting mannerisms and an attitude and a style and a, and a performance trying to elicit a response. And, and so that's performing, that's acting. You know, when you're in a meeting with colleagues and you're trying to get a decision made a certain way, I mean, you're, you're probably taking steps that, that are theatrical. And, and you would not, may not compare that to Daniel Day-Lewis, but it's, but it's performing. And that's the point you're making here which is which is you have the ability to do it because as you said you are human so look Kathy I want to I want do want to reference the book a bit I mean we've been talking about it abstractly but uh, uh, let's do talk about it. I'd love to uh, have you kind of do a two-part uh, conversation here one is talk about the actual structure of the book you mentioned that it's in three acts uh, which I would expect nothing less from from you. But walk, walk through that structure a bit, and then if if it's a if if you can transition into I think a, a key part of this thing, which I think will be of real value to the audience, is discuss uh, from a, a top level view anyway these five fundamentals of performance. Sure. Yeah. So as you said, the book is organized into three acts, uh, and the first act is why performance. And this is really, in some sense, is digging a little deeper into the conversation that you and I are having today and this idea of the becoming principle and being who you are and who you were not yet. And that, you know, Shakespeare was right. Uh, the world, all the world's a stage and we are the creators, the performers, the writers, the producers, the costume designers, the stagehands of the plays of our lives, you know. And so we can keep developing those plays and keep changing them and, and all of the various aspects of them. Act two is the becoming principle, the five fundamentals of performance. And that's where I talk about what are the building blocks for being able to grow and develop and to have the kinds of performance breakthroughs that you want to have, both in business and, frankly, in life. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of case studies and examples of the work that we've done at Performance of a Lifetime with our clients across industries over the past 20 years, working with them on leadership development, on communication, on sales and networking, on collaboration, and so on and so forth. And so there are a lot of examples and stories about that I think people will really connect with that will help you see how these fundamentals, and I'll just say them quickly, and maybe we'll have time to dig into one or two of them. The first fundamental is choose to grow. The second is build ensembles everywhere. Ensembles is a term that we use in the world of performance and theater, often referred to as teams. 
performance fundamental number three, listen, the revolutionary way to have a conversation. Number four is create with crap. And number five is improvise your life. And then act three is, is really some very specific areas of growth and development that we have found that most people that we've worked with have, have, have wanted help in. And so I decided to, to try to do my best to capture the approach in very practical ways, whether you're working on storytelling, having challenging conversations, selling, network, the art of selling and networking, how to perform with presence, and then finally, coaching like a theater director. And so that's, that's the structure of the book. That, that last one being Act Three. Yeah. Oh gosh, it's uh, fascinating. And, and thinking about the five fundamentals, uh, you and I both know you and I could talk for an hour or more on each <laughs> on each of those. And and I I'm almost scared to go down uh, the rabbit hole there into one of those because I think they're all foundational to to doing what we're talking about here. I, I have a question that I hope that I think is very relevant to what we've been talking about. And, and this whole idea that you say where who, who you are and who you are not yet. And I think it's really important to say you're not, Kathy's not saying who you are and who you are not. What you're saying is who you are, you are not yet. And the point is, is that you can achieve and do most of this stuff, uh, if not all of it, uh, if you just believe it. And so I think that's important to say. But how much, I mean, I've heard you talk about the idea that you have to take an emotional inventory. And I think most people, uh-huh. I don't think most people have not done it. And if you said do it, they would say, well, what in the heck is that? And why is that relevant? But I don't think you can do most of any of this without really doing that, right? I mean, am I, am I on the right path there? Oh, I think it's a really important point. Yeah. Yeah. An emotional inventory, what I mean by that, and I, hopefully this is something like what you mean by it too, but it's the idea that we become more aware of how am I feeling about walking into this meeting right now? You know, I, you know, you, you know I'm sure we've all had this experience. I have it every other day <laughs> where you're like, you're sitting at your desk or you're, you know, you're walking to work or you're driving to work. You realize there's like something going on in the pit of your stomach <laughs> and you're like, what is this? What's going on? <laughs> what am I worried about? And then you realize, oh, right, I have this client presentation that I'm really nervous about and I'm worried about. And so you've got to listen to that voice. You've got to listen to that, that feeling that you're having and say, okay, what do I need to do to ready myself so that I can succeed in that situation. So sometimes the emotional inventory looks like that, right? Where you're like, oh, something's going on. Oh, I'm really nervous about this. I'm dreading talking to this person, you know, and and I need to figure out how I'm going to handle it when she or he does the thing that they always do, which always makes me feel sort of frustrated and demoralized. Um, And then sometimes what the emotional inventory could be that you realize that you're, um, you're super excited about, about wanting to make a particular sale, right? And you get so invested in that you're going to make the sale, you want to make the sale, that that becomes what you focus on instead of actually building a relationship and a connection with the person, with the potential client or customer. And so you start to notice and, and, and develop an awareness for what, you know, what are, what are the triggers? What are the things that go on for you 
how are you feeling? And then you can start making some deliberate performance choices about how you want to play in that scene. You know, when you were saying before about, you know, we talk to our spouses or our partners in a particular way and when we're trying to get them to do something, you know, sometimes what happens is that we get in a rut about that, right? Mm -hmm. And it's like, you know, there you are and you're trying to get Tom to, you know, just do the damn dishes. (laughs) (laughs) Why won't you do the damn dishes? You know? And, um, that is, it hasn't been effective, you know? So maybe there's another, another performance to try that would, that would help, that would change the dynamic. And that's part of taking the emotional inventory. Maybe what you do is you say, you do the dishes, I'll sing to you. I will sing the song to you that you love the most. Mm-hmm. Or I will, you know, I will, I'm going to read you poetry. <laughs> well, and the important you know? thing to say there, Kathy, because you taught us this earlier in, in, the, in the conversation, was is that because you're human, like Daniel Day-Lewis, you can try a different approach. You absolutely have it within right. you to go at it a different way. And, and, and most people aren't prepared for you to do it that way. They, they think, all right, well, Todd's always going to approach me this way, and so I, I know how to deal with that. And when you, and this doesn't have to be from a negative perspective. I mean, this can be a positive thing too. But if you take a different approach, that's oftentimes what most people aren't prepared for. And that can be a good thing and it can be a bad thing. But oftentimes it's, wow, hey, that's a great new approach and that excites people. And so anyway, I'm rambling. But the point is, you no, have... No, but disruption is good. Yeah. Disruption is good. Yeah. And that's what we're talking about. It's performing in this way. You know, there's, there's so much talk in business about, you know, different, you know, disruption that goes on in industry and in different areas. And people say, wow, it's like, oh, my God, I never you could never knew you could do it this way. Well, that that also, as you're saying, plays out in our everyday relationships. Like, wow, you mean we don't have to fight about this? We could actually, you know, try it another way and, and pretend that we agree with each other and then see what happens. Right. Do what improvisers do. Improvise the conversation instead of doing it in the same scripted ways. And that is one of my fundamentals, which I think I might have forgotten to get to. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's, I mean, you're starting to see more and more people teaching improvisation as, as a method and as a way to, to engage in life, business and life. I mean, so that, that idea of, of taking real-time inputs and, and, and kind of on the fly doing something interesting and creative and maybe disruptive in a positive way uh, is is a great yeah. approach to to how to deal with scenarios that that are probably very routine and and, and need disruption. So disruption here is not, it, the context that we're talking about is a positive one, uh, and so yeah. this is this is not a negative. I mean, this is you know all, I mean all the people that we read books about and, and watch films about have done something disruptive in their space, and so that's the whole point here. And, and the people that are thriving and and succeeding in organizations. And, and leading and, and leading successfully anyway are, are certainly employing a lot of these tactics and strategies. They may not even realize it, but that's, that's, that's exactly what's happening, I suspect. So, good Lord. Well, Kathy, there's only about 700 questions more I need to ask you, but unfortunately, we're about out of time. Me thinks we're going to have to have you back on the show in some way, shape, or form to, to continue these dialogues. So there are so many subjects that we just barely touched that require a, a lot more uh, thought and conversation. So hopefully we'll get a chance to get you back on the show. But but for today, this has been a, a scintillating conversation. I'm grateful for your time. Before I let you go, should anyone listening have any questions, how can they contact you? How can they learn about the work you're doing at Performance of a Lifetime? And most importantly, 
where can they get their hands on a copy of Performance Breakthrough? Uh, well, first of all, I'd love to come back, so thanks very much. I'm really enjoying the conversation as well, Todd. So, yeah, so let's see. You can go to performanceofalifetime.com, which is the website of my company, Performance of a Lifetime. You can follow me on Twitter, hashtag Kathy Salit, Facebook, Kathy Salit. And I would be so interested uh, if people have questions or comments to please, please, you know, communicate with me that way. And I would love to respond. And you can get a copy of Performance Breakthrough at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Indie, Indie Books, and 800 CEO Read, which is a great place to get bulk books. A lot of our clients get it for their teams. And yeah, so I would love to come back. Thank you so much. It's been so nice talking to you. It'll be fun to explore where we can go from here. All right, Kathy Salet, the CEO of Performance of a Lifetime and the author of a new book called Performance Breakthrough, A Radical Approach to Success at Work. And here's a hint. Between you and me, Kathy, this really isn't that radical. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, yeah. it's, just, it's just using the humanness that's in all of us. You know, it's, it's radical because no one's doing it. But uh, anyway, yeah. great to have you. Thanks so much again for making time to join us. Thank you, Todd. All right. All the time we have for today. Again, on behalf of my guest, Kathy Salit, I am Todd Schnick. We'll see you soon on Intrepid Radio. Thank you for listening to Intrepid Media. We appreciate your attention. To receive everything we do, simply go to intrepidmailinglist.com. That's intrepidmailinglist.com and sign up. You can also find us at intrepid.media and on iTunes. And to support the important work we do on your behalf, a rating and review on iTunes will help spread our work far and wide. Again, we certainly appreciate your support. Now get out there, be intrepid, and we'll see you next time.